0: Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors in the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. T- last week or last episode, we were fortunate enough to have Angel Rutledge from Sign Up Genius uh, come talk to us about the growth that they've experienced over the course of the last 10 years how the concept get started? how they run? What were some of the challenges? What have been some of the success periods? Uh, really great podcast and really great listenership to it through the podcast. So thanks for supporting Angel and Sign Up Genius. This week we pivot um, as we have for the last couple years now. Every time there's a new FinTech or uh, QC FinTech Accelerator class, we sit down with several of those founders and this year's no difference. Uh, We wanted to highlight those companies prior to the Southeast FinTech Venture Conference on November 14th. So we sat down this year with iTrust, Trevor from iTrust, Chad from Memble, and Busayo from Amos, which technically stands for Ask My Uncle Sam. So we sat down with them, got to know each one of them. So what's their backstory, who they are, uh, how they came up with their idea. And then one of the topics I really wanted to dive in on is... What's the, what's the one thing or the series of things really that they think allows them to be successful five years from now? Um, we've all seen it, you know, startups, the success rate in startups is not 100%, which means ultimately some of them are gonna fail, um, just like any small business. Uh, but from their perspective as startups that are going through an accelerator class, What's the, what's the success? What's the one thing that's going to make them successful? So good conversation. Uh, we dive into some, some, some pieces of what it's like to talk to investors from a founder's perspective, right? I'm sure uh, at some point in the not too distant future, it's a great question to ask investors. What's it like to start to, um, to talk to founders as well, right? Get that kind of dynamic of what they each enjoy about it and what might be some of the frustration points as well. So really good podcast. I hope you enjoy it today. I wanted to cover a few additional things before we get to it. Um, again, thank you to Dan Roselli and his team at Packer Place for our first sponsorship. Um, they are a great community supporter for all things startup here in Charlotte. Um, they've hosted more than two dozen of our interviews over the course of 2018. Um, they've gifted us a, a Blue Yeti to use with, with guests when we go off-site, so our listeners get to hear cleaner, better podcasts these days than they did a year, a year and a half ago. Um, so please check out Packard Place for all that they offer um, for young companies um, who are looking for a space downtown. So also, I um, thought it was very interesting to see in the news recently. The NCI did recently issued $200,000 grants to Charlotte entities. One is Start Charlotte, led by Juan. And the other one is um, Innovate Charlotte, You know, obviously led by Keith, who was on the podcast not too long ago. Um, Key serving as the interim leader of Innovate Charlotte, whereas Juan's been with Start Charlotte from, from the beginning. So I'm excited to see what those two entities are going to be able to do with $100,000 to continue to support the startup ecosystem. Um, they both do great things for startups, and having some fresh capital to continue to expand how they do things is going to be really interesting to watch here over the course of the next couple uh, next couple quarters. Also, don't forget to support high school area entrepreneurs at the Techstars Startup Weekend Charlotte. Uh, you can find tickets for it on Eventbrite. Uh, they're linked off of this podcast as well. Um, it starts Friday, November 2nd, runs through Sunday, November 4th, down at Johnson C. Smith University. And you can buy demo tickets, on again, on the Eventbrite website. And finally, speaking of events, don't forget to register for the Southeast FinTech Venture Conference on November 4th. Um, If you don't have the full day to set aside, please register to come support the QC FinTech Class 9 companies. Their demo day starts at free, best of all, or starts at 5, and best of all, it's free. Um, So the event from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. is a paid event, and anything after 5 p.m. with the demo day of the QC FinTech Class is a free thing to come watch and support those entrepreneurs here in our city. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast interview with three of those founders and look forward to having you back here in two weeks as we continue the Charlotte Angel Connection. Welcome to the show today, guys. I'm excited to be back here at Packer Place and I'm excited to be talking to, I think this is our fourth cohort uh, that we've talked to out of the QC FinTech uh, program. So thanks for carving out an hour of what I know is a busy day for you. Um we talked for a little bit here already, but uh, let's let the audience get to know you. We'll start off here with my South African friend, um, Trevor. So Trevor, who are you? And give us a little bit of a spill on what your startup is.
1: Great, well, thank you first for hosting us and we appreciate the opportunity. Uh, My name is Trevor Horwitz. I'm the CEO and co-founder of a company called iTrust and we are a cybersecurity company that provides risk assessments on third-party vendors. So we have an automated platform in the cloud that evaluates the cybersecurity and compliance practices and technical, does a technical assessment of third-party vendors. And we provide that intel back to our enterprise customers and they use that intelligence to determine whether they want to do business with that particular vendor and if they are doing business with the vendor, to maintain compliance and visibility into their risk factors.
0: Who's your ideal client?
1: Uh, We we deal with with clients who are mainly large and mid-sized enterprises. Uh, We are uh, agnostic in terms of the industry. We have a particular uh, bent in terms of wanting to work with, and we do work with, a lot of fintech companies, and that's uh, one of the reasons why we're here at uh, QC Fintech. Is to get more engaged into the fintech uh, industry here in Charlotte.
0: Who are you? What? Um, <laughs> what's your background that gives you insight into this particular industry? Uh, I
1: have been in cybersecurity almost my whole career. Okay. So. Uh, so two yes. years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I started off uh, way back when, uh, growing up in South Africa with, uh, you know, doing IT and doing software development, and then progressed into security. And um, I've had three different companies prior to this that have um, exited successfully. Uh, one that didn't exit successfully, a fourth one that, uh, that kind of failed. And uh, we've been in the cybersecurity business there. Just immediately before this, I had a company called uh, TrustNet, which does cybersecurity compliance services. And iTrust is a spin off from that company.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, welcome to Charlotte. Thank you. So, and thanks again for being on the podcast. Chad yeah um, give us a little a little spill on Chad and a little sp- uh, spill on your company
2: sure so my name is Chad Huber my company is called Mimble which is like nimble and money put together okay and so what we do is we're kind of helping younger people have more experiences in life and right now it's kind of this crazy stat that like 70% of Millennials have less than a thousand dollars in savings Wow and that same percentage only or mostly spends on a debit card so they don't want to go into debt to pay for stuff but as we know everybody likes to instagram moments in this generation uh and have all these cool experiences so what we help people do is actually save up for major purchases and get rewarded by brand partners um so in this way you might save up 500 bucks over a few months get an extra hundred dollars from a brand and end up with six hundred dollars to spend
0: okay cool so um How'd you come up with the concept?
2: Yeah, so the concept came, came up originally uh, in an MBA program uh, in Spain, and we kind of had this idea around social savings, um, and it kind of just evolved from there. As it turns out, having five MBAs with no technical expertise is not a good way to build an app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the team trimmed down to one, uh, and then I came back to the U.S. and found a technical business partner. And so, for the last year and a half, we've been working together and getting ready to launch here in about a month. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: So Awesome. So, um, first startup? Uh, first startup. I've had a fitness company before. Okay. But I wouldn't really put us in, like, the tech startup uh, realm. Okay. But not not your first run at owning something?
0: No. No. Okay. Cool. Good deal. Welcome to the show. Welcome. To, where are you from? Uh, Oregon. Okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, um... I'd love to make it out there sometime. I have folks I know in Bend, and I can't wait to go out there and see them. Yeah, I lived in Bend five years. Okay, yeah. cool. Good Thanks start. for having me. Happy yeah. to be here. Busayo. Hey, what's going on? Not much, man, how are you? Pretty good. So give us a little background of who you are and, right. um, and, and, and your company. Sure,
3: my name is Busayo Gonsonio. My background, I'm a CPA with a Masters in Tax. I was born in Nigeria. Uh, came here when I was seven years old to New York. Uh, worked in Big Four Accounting, Ernst Young, JP Morgan, and uh, pretty much my company is called Ask My Uncle Sam. And what we're building is a digital tax assistant that uses a component of machine learning, which is a subset of uh, artificial intelligence for the roughly 147 million tax filers. A lot of people don't know that 60% of IRS basic tax law questions don't get answered. So our goal is to really bridge that gap of roughly about 80 million tax filers that don't get the answers
0: uh, answered. During, throughout the year um that's a big gap yeah. yeah so um how'd you come up with the concept right Yeah. so my, my background
3: being that I have a master's in tax I also run a small CPA firm in New York called Big Apple tax return <laughs> and uh, I like it and so obviously Big Apple New York tax return tax return yeah and throughout the year I have friends family clients ask me different tax questions and one thing I realized is, it's it's the similar questions uh, over and over. Uh-huh. So my thought process is, is, hey, why not recruit a PhD guy, why not find uh, have a CPA on board, and build a, build a platform that gets smart over time that kind of personalize uh, tax questions during that period. Okay. So right now, we, we launched uh, early last year with a beta product. So we, we, had, we had our platform on Slack and Facebook Messenger, and we had different feedbacks from different companies. So, right now, we're switching more to a B2B business model, mm-hmm. and we should launch our revamp platform roughly about a week and a half. Okay.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So, um, we're October 19th. You started your QC FinTech experience six or seven weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You wrap up in November 15th. Is that um, 14th? 14th. November 14th yeah. demo day? Um, right here, Southeast FinTech Venture Conference, um, which will be a fun day for y'all. Uh, so you've been here six to seven weeks. What have you been doing? Um, we'll go opposite direction this time, so we'll start here.
3: Yeah, so for me, this is Pacino speaking. It's really working with the mental coaches, uh, really fleshing out different business models, uh, just also working on presentation skills with uh, the program managers, speaking with Dan. And for me, I think that's very helpful in terms of really scaling up your business so that for me I think the, the last six weeks probably that's probably the most helpful part
2: okay yeah. good do it. Chad yeah so you know, the funny thing is we started a fintech company and neither one of us have any financial experience okay <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of things that we don't know in the space and partnerships that you know we hadn't made so we came down here to you know just get around people who really understand the financial realm a lot deeper than we do so we've we met people who can help us with our back-end banking relationship, um, who understand how to market and promote financial apps to consumers, uh, and of course, all the super fun stuff around compliance and uh, everything that goes uh. into <laughs> cybersecurity, and everything else, so um, we've been hard at work just picking people's brains and uh, receiving mentorship. Okay, Trevor? Yeah, similar
1: story. Uh, the networking has been fantastic. I'm very, very happy with the reception we got from the Charlotte community. Uh, it feels just amazing to people volunteer their time. So many people just to want to help and see the business grow and be successful. So yeah, we're just uh, sucking up people's knowledge and experience in making new connections, networking, and getting feedback on our product and market fit, uh, on financing all different aspects
0: of you know managing and growing a business. But um, but Trevor, you. Um, you've done this before, right? This isn't your first rodeo. So why come into an accelerator program? Yeah, it's a good question because we have had myself and my business partner
1: both had, you know, s- successful exits, and we actually put our own money into the business as well. We, we put in a million dollars of our own capital okay. to get the business going, um, I mean we're, we're probably uh, one of the more unusual components of the cohort because we're because you have gray hair well (laughs) (laughs) i I feel fortunate that i do have hair (laughs) Uh, it's more because we're we're a little bit more mature and we've got we've got customers we've got proof of concepts and we have a product that's been out in the market but we always have felt that uh humbly that we've got stuff to learn
0: yeah and how old uh, are you not you, the company. Oh, the company was
1: founded in two thousand and sixteen. So
0: okay, so it's two, two, two and a half years
1: old. Yeah, two and okay. a half years old. Uh, but we're we're learning, and uh, we're that we strive to even with the gray hair to constantly be learning. And we we really love the fintech angle. We've had early success with fintech companies, uh, existing customers, and we said, okay, this is an area we need to focus on. So we want to tap into that community and. And grow and uh, attract larger customers as well.
0: Okay. So, your co founder's expertise is in? We're both actually technical founders. So, okay. I'm
1: more of a, a heavier business background, and he's more on the technical side. Okay. So, he's, he's actually a childhood friend. His name is Mike Kerum. Okay. So, Mike and I grew up together. We've known each other since we were about five years old. Okay. And um, we weren't always in business together, but we
0: have been um, for probably the last eight years. Cool. Good deal. Um, Chad and Busayo, y'all both have technical technical co-founders, right? Uh, Um, I do. I don't think Busayo. I I don't
3: have a CTO on board.
0: You have a CTO on board. Talk about about that aspect, right? How does that relationship work? How does it help um, y'all in kind of building things out from here? Because, I mean, I told you earlier, you know, one of my big mistakes was not having anybody technical on board. Um, So how does that
2: help? Yeah, uh, what's great about it is that you can just make changes all the time, (laughs) and as soon as you learn something, because especially when you're building an app and a new concept, you're learning constantly. Every time you have a customer interaction or put somebody through the platform, you see something you want to change. And if you end up outsourcing that to a firm, every single change you make is a change order, it's more expensive. Um, the feedback loop just takes a lot longer. So for us, it's been really vital to have a technical co-founder who can do it all. And uh, his name is Holger. He's originally from Germany, and he's fantastic. He spent 25, 30 years coding. Okay. Um, so he just back end, front end, and you know we, we just have a really good working relationship. Where'd you find him? Uh, so I found him on a Ruby forum in Portland. Okay. So Ruby's kind of like Ruby on Rails yeah. as a as a technical <clears throat> uh, code base. And he was transitioning away from a job and he wanted to work on his own thing. And so we connected and had a few conversations and kinda of went from there. Okay. So I I totally lucked out. I met somebody random on a forum. Uh in those situations don't typically work out very yeah. well. <laughs> but in my but in case. case it did. Yeah, yeah yeah. I
1: heard it was different. I heard you were one of his cellmates.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where all the best ideas happen, you know. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> no Thanks. technology, you just <laughs> that
0: was funny. Was I, how about you, where would you find your CTO and how's that relationship uh, work? So it? originally
3: with our platform, I, I, I found a guy off of uh, nd.com, PhD guy. He's the one actually called, like, built our MVP. Yeah. And he was like, hey, I like I like the way you work. Uh, the guy was ranked rank 10th in Kaggle, so he's like world-renowned. Okay. And he was like, hey, I'll, just, I'll help you out. And so fortunately, uh, I, being around New Jersey, there's a school called Stevenson Institute of Technology. So I recruited a bunch of like junior students, actually junior students and Master, master, master of Science students. Uh-huh. And through their network, this, they just kept connecting me with different people. And one thing I realized with, with software engineers, they love building a product just out of nowhere. So through that process, they just like hey help me out. But I found my CTO through Angel's List and and considering this is like my third startup, for me I'm very hands off in management. I don't like telling people what to do. It's kind of like hey you know you know what to do. gonna have probably we, we meet two or three times a week. Yeah. And you know we just have deliverables. So it's really just you know I'm the business lead. He's the CTO. And if I don't understand anything, he just lets me know. But a lot of things I just like look up in Google. Just Ask questions, and I think it really works well that way.
0: So, how many of your um, fellow classmates from school know? Is it Kaggle? Is that right? Yeah. So how many? How many of your fellow classmates probably know what Kaggle is?
3: Very uh, few. From so, For me, I'm, I'm worried. I like to read. Uh, I like to like. So what brought you? Stuff.
0: So what brought you down this path? Right. I mean, you right. know, we were talking about earlier. Your typical um, accountant isn't necessarily the um, the the entrepreneur mindset that just see here in the, you know, QC Fintech <laughs> Accelerator program.
3: Yeah, for me, I, I like building stuff. And the reason I have, a, so before I got my master's in tax, I was thinking, get an MBA or master's in tax. And the reason I like tax, it changes. And and for me, I get bored easy. If I'm not learning, and I'm going to get bored. Yeah. And my last my last corporate job, was, I was controller. And after that, it's a CFO. Yeah. And I always wanted to be a CFO. And that I thought about, I was like, man, I'm kind of young. I'm 30, 31 can't Be a CFO, this sucks. <laughs> so, I was like, for me, I was like, All right, I like building things. I, I, feel, I kind of feel like I'm very resourceful. And after a certain while, you just want to take a better yourself. And for me, I have a master's in tax. Tax is always is, like, I will never be unemployable because I have a master's in tax and yeah. I'm a CPA and I can always start my on firm. And so, like, I've been kind of bootstrapping this, yeah, to get, get to accelerate But I always knew I was going to have my own thing, whether it's scale my counter from to like a franchise business in New mm-hmm. York, but or have this really blow up? So I you knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. There was no question
0: yeah. in my mind. Yeah. So um, Chad, how about you, Did you always know you're going to be an entrepreneur.
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. You think That's so? It's kind of a soft answer. Um, I grew up. My dad uh, started a, a health and fitness gym. Okay. So I mean, it's a fifty thousand square foot place. He just retired um, end of last year after thirty eight years of you know starting it with a bunch of racquetball courts and building okay. from there. So I kind of grew up uh, with that mindset and, you know, uh, always have had his support, you know, kind of been lucky like that. So it's been, you know, just something that's always seemed very achievable um, and kind of push in that realm of, hey, do something on your own. Like, if you think you can create something, go create it, go build it, yeah. go do it, add something. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think yes, to a certain degree, I didn't always know what it was going to be. I didn't have some goal like, all right, I'm going to go start, you know, uh, a fitness company and then uh, a finance company both those opportunities just kind of happened uh, and then you, know, you get excited about it and you want to make it work and so you just you just start going yeah that makes sense
0: Trevor you've had a couple of startups when um, you, you held down a corporate job first I take it or did you come straight out and start companies I've had a few corporate jobs
1: and uh, some of them uh, then joined a couple of startups and then we sold them so then you know, it ended up being a corporate job after that. Yeah. After we sold, we, <laughs> you know, we, we, we worked for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, the guys who acquired our businesses, so, and I was cool with that, you know. It's the next growth phase, and we help grow those businesses. Yeah. I think I knew I was gonna be an entrepreneur when I was pretty young. You know, the standard uh, dinner table conversation yeah. with my parents was all about running businesses and working hard and, you know, Trying to make the best of yourself and trying hard. So that was that was just standard. So my siblings, I have a
0: brother and a sister, they're both entrepreneurs as well. Are they? That's cool. Wow. So um, we so walking down this hall today, right? Um, Packard Place has been around since 2011, 2012. A bunch of names on that wall of companies that have either been here or been part of the accelerator program. Not all of them are still around. Right? Some of them have gone, on, gone under, um, some of them have gone on to raise money and then more money. Um, something y'all all know, right? As part of entrepreneurship, not every single business succeeds. Um, what, um, what allows you to come back to a five year anniversary party um, and either talk about the sale of your business or talk about how it's still going and you're in your B round or whatever at that point in time? So, how are, uh, how are y'all going to be successful? What does it take? we we'll started here last time. You haven't had a chance to go first, Chad, so <laughs> what makes you successful in
2: five years? Uh, all right, bad lead-up on this one. Um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I think a lot of it is just perseverance. I think you start to, to see that where some companies have failed is just they got to the place where it's, it was really hard and just stopped, which is totally reasonable to do. Um, uh, or, you know, lost a key person. And sometimes you just have to keep pushing and get a little lucky. I mean, I've gotten lucky where, you know, my my dad with the sale of his company, you know, is able to invest in ours and yeah. keep us going. You know, and Holger's got a very supportive wife and, you know, she's got an income. So that allows us to, you know, keep pushing, you know, and get the product out there, even though it takes six or eight months longer than we, than we originally, you know, intended. So, you know, in my view, there's some perseverance and some luck until you're able to build that momentum. Uh, and then once you have a lot of momentum, then it gets a little bit easier, not necessarily less stressful. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's kind of like what happened with, you know, my dad's business as well, you know, starting a racquetball club. Uh, they had some moments where I think he said he would he'd sell a year membership up front and then sell that to somebody else to actually, like, they would own the contract. Yeah. So he's like, the only revenue I had coming yeah. in was, you know, if I sold new memberships yeah. rather than having the recurring, which seems obvious to us now. Yeah. But, yeah, you backtrack 40 <laughs> years and it's a little bit different. Uh, so he kind of had this moment he's like oh man I, I got to persevere through this little rough time yeah. and change the model and figure it out so yeah I, I, that's my view on it I'm sure you know Trevor's done it successfully more yeah, than I have he probably has so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <It's> a better view
0: <laughs> I'll follow his script Chad, what I heard there is you need to get married and have a wife that can help <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Know, you continue <laughs> to go down the, the path right yeah. that's right so, um, Trevor what's gonna make this successful you know, I don't think there's any one thing that's gonna make any one... All magic, potion. I don't have it, and if I do, uh, if, there
1: is, if it does exist, I'd, I'd like to find it. Uh, I think it's a combination of things. I think you learn also from failures probably more than successes. Yeah. So the things that I've done career-wise that I haven't worked out, probably the best lessons that I could get. And... Uh, you know, perseverance is one other thing. Ultimately, it's gonna come down to the success factors of your business is how much traction you get. Yeah. Are you getting traction? Whatever that means, it could be revenue, it could be number of users, it could be anyone who engages with you, it could be your network. Uh, so if you have traction and you have people who are interested in your products, um, you can get to a point and then, yeah, I think that's the, that's the best indicator of success in any business.
0: Yeah. What, um, uh, sorry saying. saying What's okay. going to make you successful in five years? First, I
3: think it's two things. I'm probably going to uh, piggyback on what they both said. I think the person is going to be grit. Yeah. I, I, there's companies that we hear on TechCrunch that raise a bunch of money and fail. Actually, today I was reading a TechCrunch company raised a bunch of money. They are selling motorcycles and flopped. So I, I think it's, it's grit, because we're going to have the brick walls, you know, where it's, it's going to be tough, it's going to suck. But you kind of have to get through that hump. And also you're going to... Your product or service has to have a need, and if if you don't
0: have both, it's it's gonna be hard to succeed. See, uh, uh, I'd add one more to it, right? It's, and it's the same thing. It's execution, Yeah. Uh, right? You have to be able to execute upon the concept, um, which is part. I mean, it's, it, you all sit it without saying it, um, but if it's if it's grit or execution or perseverance or luck or um, none of it is. Um, None of that is accelerator, right? None of that. I mean, that's all on y'all. <clears throat> so what are you doing here?
2: <laughs> oh, you're looking at me again. Um, I mean, any of you, <laughs> you right? I mean, um, I, I, I think
3: what we what we mentioned got us here. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people reply, A lot of people could have. Because a lot of people have good ideas. So a lot of people, put, you know, start companies. A lot of people have. Uh, Landing pages, you know, but yeah. you know, like, but they never start, yeah. And all, I, you know, it's just, I think those factors got us here, and independent of, I think, uh, accelerate, I think we're still gonna continue, you know, we're still gonna keep building to realize our, our, our uh, companies.
2: Yeah, I think it just allows you to have more preparation, more eyeballs, more feedback. i um, are talking about execution. It's really hard to execute if you don't have feedback on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so you come to accelerator and you talk to a bunch of people who have experience in the space and like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It looks good right now, but that's going to cause issues, you know, in six months or a year. Um, and so, uh, I think it's really important. I mean, the the feedback is really great for us. Yeah. You know, especially you know being kind of first time like fintech founders mm-hmm. uh, and really trying to grow fast. So that's the main thing, you know, getting more feedback, getting help from people who have been here and done it, uh, and can help us be successful. Yeah. yeah, this is gonna sound really corny, but really, it's... You came huge. to make friends, didn't you?
1: It's usually <laughs> you know, powerful to have people who believe in you. Yeah. Yeah. And being part of the, the QCF has just, you have people who believe in you, and they show it. And you can't underestimate how powerful that feels. And for a lot of entrepreneurs, where you're starting out and there are people that doubt you. There's more naysayers around than there are people cheering for you in your corner. Yes, sir. And Absolutely. if you have people that are in your corner and they're cheering for you and they're, they're supporting you and they're backing you, and for no gain, no personal gain, that's incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's one of the, the things we've got out of the program and somewhat unexpected. I didn't really expect to have people that were so passionate and wanting to help us and wanting to see us succeed, and that's it's
0: extremely powerful. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times a day do you tell your story, as entrepreneurs? <laughs> Maybe you should reverse it. How many times a day do you not? Yeah. You? <laughs> uh, how often does it change? Right? Do um, Do you get continual feedback that allows you to change your story, or is your story change? Does it stay the same? Or How do you tweak that? I would say like the, the percentages change in terms of like.
3: For me, like the IRS, sixty percent, yeah, you know, that, that, no. that changes, but overall it stays the same, because it, it's kind of like you, you you have this congruency what you're building, so it's
4: very tiny for me. I heard um, one time that
0: 80% of all um, statistics numbers are made up. (laughs) So, anyways, and 80% is too, obviously. Um, So, um, I mean, same, I mean, story, you constantly tweak in. I mean, but it's helpful to tell your story, right? Because the minute you tell your story, somebody either supports it, they contradict it, or they offer some guidance. Is that right?
2: Yeah. uh, I don't think you hear a lot of contradiction unless you're talking to an investor. And they might have a certain worldview that's different. Yeah. You know, for us, like, we're helping young people save up for major purchases. Yeah. By definition, investors do not have that problem. Yeah. Um, so we get some pushback <laughs> there. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 I think you kind of find a rhythm. So you find a certain story or phrasing that allows people to get it quicker. Mm-hmm. And then it usually transforms. The conversation kind of goes any, any which way. Um, it's kind of like a, a little bit like you generally say the same thing, but it, it, it's with a little changes depending on the actual numbers or the stat you share or um, You yeah, know, but it, you get that feedback and it's a lot multiple times a day, yeah. you know, on average
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think all of us as entrepreneurs live in our own world So we understand our domain and we've lived it the what we have to be able to do and where the Queen City FinTech program helps is Talking about what we do to other people, and honing that message so that other people can understand it. Yeah. yeah. Particularly for what we do in cybersecurity, you know, I could throw out a whole bunch of names and technical tests we do, and that will not resonate with ninety percent, maybe even ninety five percent. I didn't hear a thing you just said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah, so it's a it's a question of honing that message so that people who are not familiar with your industry on not familiar with uh, technical terms can understand what you do and understand the value proposition.
0: What's um so chat, you uh, you mentioned it, the the dirty word investor. <laughs> um, what's it like talk so are you all raising are any of y'all raising money? Oh, uh, yeah. You're yeah. all raising money. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think yeah. The question. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's always raising money. Yeah. Yeah. Always raising money um so we'll talk about that in a second but uh what's
2: it like talking with investors it depends where you're at i mean so you know for us we being in portland uh portland's great and it's a little bit like charlotte kind of like up and coming you went from um, great beer to uh, probably really good beer right i mean portland's yeah. got a great
0: beer scene and charlotte's got a pretty good beer scene yeah it's great yeah, yeah i lucked out that way i yeah. didn't realize that before coming down yeah.
2: welcome yeah thank you yeah. I'm happily surprised yeah uh that's, I mean, like Portland and Seattle in general are much better when it comes to B2B investing. You know, that's what people understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being this B2C kind of marketplace, you know, we've got savers, which are consumers, who really kind of drive usage on the platform. And then we have these rewards from brand partners. So we've got to do both. Uh, and that's hard, you know. And so conversations... I think maybe probably every entrepreneur has faced this. You know, you just, you get frustrated. You get a lot of no's. Um, And kind of, you know, to Trevor's point, you get here and people believe in you and they get it and they're excited and they understand the problem in the market and they understand the financial space. And they're like, yeah, you're doing something new. You're doing something different. Like, cool, let's get you live and see what happens. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I mean, talking to to investors is both frustrating, but it's also fun. You know, they give you interesting feedback and they ask interesting questions. Um, and they help you. I mean, oftentimes it's important. Like they'll connect you to other people that they think can be helpful to you. Even if they don't cut you money, cut you a check, uh, they, they've done things for us that have helped us be successful you know, and get to this point in the first place. So, you know, it's fun. You always treat it as a new opportunity, but I would be lying if I said you know, it wasn't frustrating to hear, hear it knows. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I get it. Any
0: difference there? Opinions? No. Frustrating but helpful. How I mean, uh, so not you have a beta out, but you're kind of pivoting a little right, bit. Yep. You've got live customers, and you're going live soon. Yeah, demo day. Um, so you going. You'll go live on demo day. Mm-hmm. Um, when's too soon to talk to investors? Never.
2: Never.
1: Never. with investors, in my opinion, you have to build a relationship, like with anything. And the earlier you start talking to people, the more they can get to know you. There's very, very few investors who will meet you for the first time and cut you a check.
0: That didn't that, happen?
1: That, that I mean, it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. only on Shark Tank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but <laughs> even and on Shark just, Tank, yeah. there's a lot of due diligence <laughs> done yeah. before that show. There's, they know what they're getting into. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of investments in Shark Tank that don't work out, yeah. which that'll, that'll make it to air on the show. But Anyway, it's the same thing with any relationship. You know, you're, you, you've got to start that dating phase and getting to know you and you understand one another and that process takes time. So the earlier you start, the better off you are.
0: Yeah. Um, terms of how much are you seeking, just out of curiosity? Are you in a formal raise right now or no? Like $500,000 um, convertible note, priced equity, or do we not want to talk about it on the radio? Yeah, we're we'll be doing a, a super series
1: A. I mean, a super series a seed round. Okay. Between we'll bridge us between our current seed and a series A. Okay. Uh, but we haven't fixed the number on okay. what we're looking for.
0: And You'll announce it on Demo Day. Uh, yep. Okay. Demo day. Okay. So it's a great plug for Demo Day. You must be there to find out how much. Yeah. <laughs> what the terms are for Drupal's Um, super seed round. Yeah,
1: join yeah. us at I Trust uh, Demo Day. for... Yeah. Reveal the secrets. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh,
2: we've raised kind of some pre-seed capital, I guess what it's call, called now, uh, on a convertible note. We probably have a little bit open in that for new investors. Okay. Um, but we'll try to raise a seed round uh, sometime early next year. Okay. We've got to get some traction, and that's kind of the thing. You know, Talk to institutional investors, like, You're you b B2C. you got to go out there and get customers and see how they, they use the app and you know, which metrics are really good that you can kind of... You know, uh Used to get money. So, yeah. you know, we'll look we'll to raise that seed so kind of uh sometime next year. In the meantime, we got we'll some capitals and got work some with. stuff to go through. Again, you need to get married, so you've got some yeah. going
0: <laughs> in there. But other than that, um, terms yeah. or not yes. yet?
3: Yes, so most likely early next year for a seed round. Okay. Right now, we're bootstrapping, which I don't mind. Yeah. But my, my personal goal is to once we have the platform really developed, I would say 80 to 90%. And we got one or two big customers. I think it'd be easier for us to raise a seed round. Cause my my personal I don't I don't want to raise a bunch of capital. Cause being a CPA, you're very, uh, you, you're I'm, I don't think in revenue. I, I think in net profit. Yeah. So my goal is to make a return for
0: our, our uh, early investors as soon as possible. Okay. Right. Um, what success? Uh uh, who wants to ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange or Nasdaq or whatever? Sure, that's, that's actually one of my goals, personal goals. Okay, there you go. So <laughs> yeah, um, right in New York, yeah. Is that success then? You wanna you wanna take this one public or no? Um,
3: success for me, it's it's for, with, with with this startup. With this probably, startup, yeah, we Would probably be getting acquired by a large tax player, because for me, I it, it's something that to really just it's funny because the idea came about or texting a friend I'm like oh my god I'm tired of people asking me stupid text questions Yeah. you know why not just build a machine learning text algorithm platform so for me it's just like oh wow I can't believe my idea is actually real and people actually use it so like because all this is just like an idea like ask my uncle Sam Yeah. you know so for me that would be probably just like oh wow I can't believe I actually pulled it off Yeah. so I think that would be success to me
0: so you started the company to get people to shut up yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's (laughs) It's a great idea yeah so, anyways, that's funny. Um, what's success like? What does it look like?
2: Uh, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the financial one is, is fairly easy. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it's getting a return and returning, uh, you know, above average return to your portfolio investors. Yeah. Um, you know, that can happen multiple points in the process, that can happen from an IPO, that can happen from an acquisition in a year, or an acquisition in, you know, five years. So that one's pretty easy. Uh, you know, we tend to focus on on the consumer yep. and on the product user. And if we can get people to use savings and find the value in it, uh, <clears throat> even for, I mean, we're very much focused on short-term things right now, but, you know, actually adding in medium and long-term goals with interest. And if we can, you know, help people, this is kind of like the cheesy, high-level thing, but, you know, we want people to have more experiences in life to really feel fulfilled. And if we can do that for people and create, you know, these really cool stories and actually help people in life, like that'll be a success. So are you the CEO of a large company or is it an exit? It's either one. I I think you always build towards oh, being oh give me something yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you build towards being, you know, this big company, yeah. you know, and IPOing. And if the right partner comes comes with an acquisition offer, you yeah, well absolutely listen. Yeah. Um but I, I think you have to build towards being an independent, you know, company with an IPO okay so Nasdaq here we come or right. New York
0: Stock Exchange or yeah. whatever exists in the future yeah. <laughs> um, Trevor IPO or no is this a build exit uh, well the success metrics for me and for
1: our team are a little different so the, the, there are really three components the first one is making sure that we're changing and enhancing people's lives who work for us okay. and are part of the team that's a crucial part because these are the people that are putting you know, blood, sweat and tears into developing their product and developing our market. Uh, so that's very important. And the second one is our investors and the people that are supporting us financially. We want to ensure that they get a return on their investment and that they're satisfied with uh, with uh, making a good choice. And the third one is more altruistic in some fashion and that is serving our customers. Where we play within the cyber security space, we have a tool that will Ensure that our customers will be able to identify vulnerabilities and threats to their infrastructure and their their IT infrastructure. And being able to provide that information and help them prevent uh, an attack on their environments is hugely valuable. Um, So we play both to the enterprise customers and to their vendors, and we're providing a very valuable um, service to both entities to ensure that the cyber supply chain is protected. And uh, so from an altruistic standpoint and what we can do for businesses, and obviously that translates into what we can do for people who run those businesses and the people who work for those businesses. If we can just save one company from being hacked and from being breached
0: by using the data that we provide, uh, mission accomplished. Okay. Um, I'll take it, we'll let it go. Uh <laughs> so now I like it. Um, be part of a cohort, right? I mean, one of the, and I'll ask you in a second, what's been the b- biggest benefit to you um, um, of the process so far? But one of the benefits has to be each other, right? Um, just the network that you build, the experiences that you're going through that you've already been through, or that you've had to tackle that you hadn't thought of yet, or whatever. Um, but you're all in different stages right so I mean you're you're, you're um, you've got revenue in the door you've got companies on the platform you haven't launched your product yet um, and you're doing a small kind of pivot right so how do y'all um, how do y'all work together hey who's the ping-pong champion of this class
2: oh uh, yeah. uh, well,
3: I mean Matt's pretty good mm.
2: So. Yeah, it's none of us. None of y'all. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> none of no ping pong
0: champions in the room. Okay, fair enough. So uh, how do y'all work together? I mean, what's that been like? What are are there 10 of you this year?
2: Or is it nine? We have a small class. We have six that it's are here six. in Charlotte. Okay. And they had some other ones that delayed. Uh, oh, they have wanted to next year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, there's only six of us, so it's kind of intimate, a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, it's good. I mean, you know, working all in the same room... You up just sharing ideas or asking questions. You know, different people and getting feedback. Uh, it's just nice to have other people who understand kind of where you're at, where you're coming from, without you having to explain everything, um, and have solved and worked on some of the challenges. Whether it's product development or hiring somebody new, you know, adding them to the founding team uh, who have expertise. I mean, for us, like you know, brand partners and other people who you know they've got their network that they're willing to share with you. You know, there's just a lot of trust. Within everybody, So it's like working with uh, you know, friends around you who are also wanting to be helpful. Yeah. And that's, you know, anybody who's worked in for a big company, it's not always the case even when everybody's aligned towards the same goals.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. So um, good experience so far with your classmates? You not poor beer on great. anybody yet or anything? No? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot
1: of camaraderie because you're all pretty much in the same boat regardless of the stage that you're in. And you have empathy, and everyone has something to learn from everyone else in the cohort. You know, it doesn't matter how many gray hairs or lack of gray hairs you have, <laughs> you're, you have something to learn. So we're learning from every company in the cohorts. Hopefully they're learning things from us as well. So that, yeah,
0: My daughter, she's five a five-year-old little girl, and she draws all the time, right? Um, and I started to notice the pattern in the pictures. Sorry, we will completely yeah, off topic yeah. for a second. Um, and like everybody in my family always has like nice hair, um, and then there's always this guy with three strands of hair <laughs> on top of his head. It's always me. <laughs> I'm like, what are you saying? So I get your gray hair comment. Um, but um, what um, what do you need to do over the course of the end of two thousand and eighteen? Right? I mean, you've got six weeks or um, six weeks left for the program, or five weeks left for the program. What do you need most? I guess kind of from the Charlotte community, right? So, what what can we continue to do to support and help you build out your platforms? So I we start over here. Uh,
3: to be honest, I think for me, the Charlotte community has already done a, a lot. Uh, it's just for for us. I think we more internally of us really taking the feedback we received and and just implementing the feedback and. circling back to the Charlotte community because we made a lot of connections here so I I think the Charlotte community, surprisingly because I never thought there was such a big uh, VC presence and angel presence in Charlotte so I think it would be for us to pretty much just keep building out what we're we're, we're, uh, building out
2: Okay Um, Yeah, so we're, we're getting ready to launch, I mean in the Charlotte community can want to start to use the platform yeah yeah <laughs> use the platform create a savings account yeah. save some goals uh, yeah I mean even even besides that I mean helping come test our product you know meet with us for 30 minutes and just giving feedback on the experience the messaging I mean all that's helpful um, that's kind of like the the most relevant goal right now that we're at um, but I, I go beside I mean the community's been super welcoming you know I always kind of say like um, a lot of places can be friendly but not a lot of places are welcoming. Yeah. And Charlotte's truly felt welcoming, and that's been a you know, a uh, a huge help, you know, to moving across country.
0: Yeah. Uh, are you gonna move across country and start your startup? Just relocate your offices to Charlotte, North <laughs> Carolina? Or are you, gonna, you gonna stick it
2: out in Portland for a while? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. We'll see.
0: Yeah. I hey, What can we do to support you, Trevor? Well, again, yeah, yeah. I, I just echo those comments. Charlotte community's been fantastic. You can talk bad about us for a second, if you want to. <laughs> there's, <laughs> no,
1: there's nothing bad to say. Yeah, yeah. No, that has been fantastic. We're just uh, such a warm reception. People being genuine and wanting to help. Uh, so, f- from for us, we're still looking to obviously to connect and grow our customer base. So businesses in the Charlotte community that want uh, that have an interest in our product, and our service, and that will obviously be useful and even if they're not you know connect with us and give us feedback on what we have and we're constantly learning is this the right product market fit Uh, anyone in cyber security um, is we're very interested in getting their opinion again we have deep roots in that been doing this for a long time but learning all the time so as much
0: feedback we can get on the product from anyone out there always appreciate it yeah what's the biggest surprise about um, QC FinTech or Charlotte right I mean um you know, we were talking before and talking about how folks that moved here from San Francisco didn't basically know Charlotte existed on the map. So um, what about y'all? what's been your biggest surprise moment um, besides being welcoming?
2: Um, anything? There's a lot of breweries. There's I didn't realize there's so <laughs> many breweries here. yeah, you, right. yeah you know, especially being in Bend, I mean we held the title of, uh, most breweries per capita for yeah, a long time yeah. you know, Deschutes is over there which is kind of the one that has a little more of a, a broader scope um, so I've been really really excited about that that's been good yeah. um, I don't know other surprising things anything uh, things
0: surprising have um, none of y'all done an accelerator program before no oh, no so, um, kind of what you expected it to be what led you to doing I mean, um, QC FinTech right what was did you apply to multiple ones um what was that
3: yeah for me it's more fintech, fintech and yeah. also knowing charlotte's the bank of capital pretty much the country yeah and also pretty much the network and for me it's just really having a short amount of period to really hone down your skill sets to take your company to the next level and it's for me it's, it's only two two and, a half, two and a half hours away from new york okay so it made perfect sense you drop fast yeah
0: <laughs> So, did you apply to a, a multiple startup or multi- multiple accelerators, or was this the only one? Uh,
2: we did. I mean, we kind of did the bigger ones, too, like yeah. Techstars, um, you know, YC, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get into those ones. We got an interview with Techstars. This one definitely resonated, you know, both from the style of the program, but also from the people running it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of a big believer in the human element of business. You know, we're all humans, we're all people, and... You know, if you have the right situation, the right communication style, that goes a long way. And the people here that run this, you know, Dan, you know, Mahati, Betsy, Marco, you know, they've all been really, really great to work with. Um, and, you know, from the first time I talked to Dan for, you know, for 30 minutes, you know, on, on the webcast, whatever it was, uh, it was great. I mean, just you, at ease with him and being able to communicate and, mm-hmm. you know, be honest before you're at and he's honest. And so that was such a big draw, you know, that it made. You know, QC is a place where like, hey, we can actually we can have a lot of success here. You know, this is gonna be good people and, and great help. But when you think of Charlotte, I mean, you don't think of startup success, right? So,
0: uh, yeah. was that an impediment for looking? I mean, you know, there's avid Exchange, Red Ventures, and uh, I mean, obviously a bunch of long-standing companies that have been around forever. But when you looked at it, you're like, well, we can't go to Charlotte. They don't have a reputation. <laughs> was yeah. that part of it or no?
2: Not for us, no. no.
0: Well, I don't think it really factored
1: too much into it. I mean, we had particular criteria and we, uh, we applied and actually got accepted to other accelerators. Okay. So it was, uh, uh, the, the fact that Charlotte doesn't stand out as being the place on the map to have a startup, um, didn't really, didn't really have a whole lot of credence for us because success comes from strange places. And you look at other big companies where they started off in very humble beginnings. A company like Walmart started in, it was pretty much nothing yeah. where they started. Uh, and now it's one of the biggest companies in the world. And there's lots and lots of s- s- stories like that. So that's never really factored into it. For, for us it was about being in the southeast. We already have a team of people who are, uh, who are in the southeast. We have, a, we have a virtual team as well. We have people across the world. We have people in Europe, across North America. Um, but for us, it was about finding the right fit and then meeting the folks at QCF and even in our first kind of discovery sessions and talking to people here during that due diligence process, just incredibly warm and offering to help, and that continued.
0: Um, so, no, no. Um. We, I mean, I don't know, internally here in Charlotte, I think we always worry about people's perception. Um, So uh, it's interesting to hear that y'all were looking at it from a completely different standpoint. Um, Where... um, What's going to be your biggest challenge... um, to overcome, uh, not what's going to be. What is your biggest challenge to overcome right now? You've gotta get your product launched. Um, is it sales for you, or is it not quite sales? It, it, most likely,
3: it's probably gonna be sales, in terms of them because we have a couple big demos coming up with uh, large players. We're pr- pretty much just focusing on that, and making sure we have the right market fit for what they're looking for.
0: But your your sales challenge is, is Mid-size and large accounting firms—is that going to be the yeah, sales challenge?
3: Yeah, and online tax law firms. And, yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: Um, so you're almost going to be making phone calls to go through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, your biggest challenge is brand awareness. Is that right?
2: Essentially, yeah. I, I mean, even at our stage, we need people to be really engaged in the app. You know, if you know, we're not going to have you know a million users. You know, probably even within a year or two. Yeah. Uh, but if we have people who just love the product and use it at a really high rate, you know that's something that's fantastic. So our biggest challenge is getting it loved. Um, we actually just bring on a sales guy from the brand side. Okay. So we're going to get some awareness there and have some really great rewards for people. Uh, and we just need to take that one step further and just keep honing that experience and, and making it great for everybody. Are you more challenged by selling...
0: Um, the consumer, or do you need to sell uh, rewards partners
2: right now? Both. So what we do is we're focusing on the rewards partners. Yeah. One thing that's cool is that we can actually help them with sales. Yeah. So, like, we're focusing a lot on boutique travel, you know, mm-hmm. like resorts, bed and breakfasts, places that are cool to go to and, like, worthwhile.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and so we go to them we say, hey, you probably have, you know, an off-season, a shoulder-season Typically in the fall or spring where you're sitting at a low occupancy and you don't have bookings very far in advance, right? Yeah. People just book last minute on like an Expedia. So we go out and say, Hey, why don't you why don't you distribute us? You'll get some people who weren't gonna buy before because they didn't have the right payment option. because um, now they can get better rewards and credit cards while paying over time and not going into debt. And <coughs> at the same time, like they're gonna book far out because you're gonna create this relationship with yeah. them a few months in advance. So why don't we try it out and see if we could increase your sales? Uh, and so we're going to these companies, and that's actually great because they'll distribute us for free. yeah, and so that's kind of the piece we're focusing on right now. once we get some momentum, and, you know and really see how people use the platform, get the feedback from real users, you know then we can start to go, you know take that momentum and apply it to the consumer side and start to kind of get that that flywheel turning. So messiah,
0: you're, um do you have to be running by the end of the year? Because tax questions really start to fly off the shelf in January, February, and I was assume March, or is it? Um, I know that'll be peak season, right? right? So is this- ideally for us, uh, last the last two weeks of December to, to
3: be really ramped up, because <clears throat> we're also uh, developing an Alexa component. Okay. So that should be up and running by the second third week of November. And also look into Google, Google Assistant. So I do, like I want all that stuff pushed out probably at the latest, the last week of December. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, but that is the case, right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to yeah. peak out. Yeah. So this first, this next tax season for yeah. you will help you flush out a lot of right. um, details and issues mm-hmm. and stuff yep. like that. And then that will allow you to kind of plow through and really hone this thing in yep. for great execution for 2020. Yep. yep. Um, That's uh, what's your biggest challenge, Trevor? Uh, is it a new product? Kind of, I mean, is it, is it solving a new need? Or, I mean, cybersecurity technically isn't really that old, right? Yeah, the, so the cybersecurity market is, is in some respects
1: mature from a point of view of, we have a lot of the building blocks that, that we need. Um, but this is an area. So you don't have to convince people they need it? Well, in some respects you do with this particular area. And it's become more of an awareness consideration. So the, the model for cybersecurity historically has been you want to protect your perimeter. But when you look at a typical business today that no longer has a perimeter, yeah. so many businesses are moving their infrastructure to the cloud and having virtual teams. Uh, so things those borders become very soft now instead mm-hmm. of being hard. And that becomes much harder to defend, even more so in when it comes to dealing with third parties. So if you're a business and you are dealing with third parties, most businesses have zero visibility into the cybersecurity compliance risk of their vendors. So one of the interesting statistics is more than 60% of cybersecurity attacks occur directly or indirectly through a trusted third party. Okay. So that has created an opportunity to say, well, can we get visibility into the cybersecurity practices of those vendors? So uh, the model, again, from for most businesses has been, let's protect all we have, and now they're realizing that the third parties are become a new threat factor.
0: Is there regulatory risk for your buyers or is it more consumer um, awareness risk? That uh, Consumers become aware that um, of the cybersecurity threat. What's, what drives people to y'all the most? Uh, our product is targeted towards businesses. So the, the only
1: kind of consumer interaction is uh, let's say you have a business and you're using a bunch of vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be even someone you would think is kind of innocent. So you give some of your customer data to a marketing company. Yeah. Well, when their marketing company gets breached yeah. and your customer information is now lost, what impact does it have on you and your customers and consumers? So that's really where our product helps the business to identify which of the vendors they should be doing business with. And once they are doing business with those vendors, are they keeping up to date with their cybersecurity practices, what risk factors are out there? So our platform provides an automated mechanism and continuous assessment of cybersecurity risk. Uh, So it's getting like your Dun & Bradstreet score and literally getting it every day as uh, new threats and new changes are happening.
0: Have you had to pivot yet? No, no No. pivots. You You continue to execute kind of where you wanted to the whole time? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, we've kind of been very steady with
1: where we're going. We knew from the get-go this was a gap. Uh, just be having been in this business for more than two decades and uh, for the last five, six years, just seeing uh, other companies that we, we were providing services to having issues with third-party vendors. Uh, my business partner and I, we just figured this was a huge gap and a huge opportunity. No one was being able to provide this level of information and help businesses mitigate the threat
2: of a cyber supply chain attack. Yeah, have you had a pivot yet? Um, a bunch of micro pivots. Uh, so just kind of like a an interesting thing is when we first started testing the platform and you know we're building it out, but we also kind of just kind of take a step back, and like when we're talking to you know, end users were like, hey, you know, what does money mean to you? And you know, where do you have problems? And a lot of people have problems just understanding, you know, how much they can save for goals. Yeah. So we built out uh, this kind of financial personal financial strategy piece where it actually gave you some feedback about what you're doing and how that compares to, you know, other people your age and what experts say you should do. Uh, and people are like, oh this is cool. Actually I really like this. Um, but the issue we had is that so we pivoted to that. And then we kinda of pivoted away and just backburned it just because, you know, we've got, you know, small team, one dev doing everything. Yeah. And so, you know, we've we can enable that again, you know, at some point soon, but you know, we it's not something we'll do right away. But you know, we haven't we didn't plan to put that in the platform at all and got some feedback. That's actually really helpful. You because know, when you're twenty five, you probably don't know a whole lot about your needs in life regarding money. Yeah. You know, you don't know what you're gonna need when you're thirty or forty or fifty or sixty, you know, and where to put your money in the market and what you should be doing from a cash flow basis. So we're just trying to make it really interactive and, and helpful and you know non-judgmental. Not yeah. like, hey, you should be doing this. More like, hey, if you're doing it this way, here's what that means. You know, you do you, but, you know, this is this is the impact, you know, if the money's flowing, you know, to the left versus to the right.
0: Do you get lumped in a lot with the um the mints of the world do people say oh are you like men or um, is that kind of a common pushback that you get when you're out there telling your
2: story no, no. Uh, early on yes yeah um, but we're staying clear of calling ourselves a budgeting app yeah and it's not really what we do you know i uh, have talked to a lot of you know millennials who I've used Mint and now don't use it. Oh, it's awful. Oh, yeah. I'm in the same category. And that's yeah. actually, you know, kind of one of the main reasons why I started the company. You know, I want, like, things I care about are you new know, pair of skis, you know, vacations with my friends. Those are yeah. the type of expenses that happen, you know, only periodically throughout the year. And I remember creating savings goals in Mint, and I was like, well, wh- 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 where's the money? Yeah. Is, it, is Mint moving it? Yeah. Is it separate my account? No, wait, okay, I've got to become an accountant to make sure every transaction is right. Yeah. So that, that that I have that money and that goal, but this doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And so I just wanted something that was like, all right, let me put money towards a specific goal, have that happen automatically, be super easy and take care of itself. And so that's in it, but you know, that's kind of the starting point of, you know, why we built Nimble and then, you know, to make it that much better, we bought the brought the brands piece in because, you know, that's where you get great rewards. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's kinda of how everything came together. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it's small pivot for you um, as
0: well. Yeah. Um, and how often does somebody tell you, oh, yeah, I already use TurboTax?
3: Uh,
0: <laughs> very often, because
3: people think we're actually processing tax returns. Yeah. And we're not. It, like when you use TurboTax, you just enter information in. Our platform, you, we actually give you advice uh, throughout the year, it's, we're available 24 7. So we're, we're not like TurboTax, it's more of an add-on to a TurboTax or a tax layer, or H&R Block. Also, uh, a CPA firmware. Mo- most CPAs, throughout the year, you get questions. So our thought process is, hey, build this platform, have an API or plugin on or your uh, desktop or your, or, or your website, and just use this as a lead generation platform because most CPAs are not very, uh, we're, we're kind of shy in terms of meeting uh, new clients, so and that's why we kind of figure out the the best way to attack attack the market is more B two B than
0: B two C. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you'll help you'll help those CPA firms from a lead generation perspective. Yeah. And
3: it also helps us in terms of gathering data points to
0: build up our uh, algorithm. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So, well, I told y'all that you know we we'd come up here till eleven fifteen um, on our time, and I know y'all all got busy days. Um, enjoyed getting to know you great companies. Um, I know a little bit more about finance than I do about cybersecurity. Um, I know more about cybersecurity than I did an hour ago, um, so I'm moving in the Mission right Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, um, But no, I mean, I, you know, wish you all luck here over the course of the next couple of weeks, and I'm excited to see you on demo day. Um, hopefully we get a big audience out there for you. I know y'all are in Atlanta and had a, a thousand people at that venture conference down there. That'd be <laughs> fantastic. Um, so, anyways, and continue to enjoy Charlotte and continue to enjoy Charlotte's breweries and and the hospitality that I guess we've shown you so far. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks yeah. for Thank. Thanks for hosting. Thank yeah. You. No. Absolutely. Y'all have a good rest of your day.
4: William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.